You're listening to the Uplifting Content Podcast with Ioni Butler. Join me every Tuesday to hear conversations with remarkable guests on a wide range of topics. The goal with this podcast is to introduce you to new ideas and techniques that will inspire and uplift you. Today, let's talk about living your best life with Colin Wright. And yeah. one of my goals that I had in mind when I started to make this shift was I wanted to be able to know that if I wanted to, I could just lay around and read a book all day. Yeah. And that would be consequence free. And that idea seemed like such an immense luxury to me, above and beyond having the eight computers that I never used. Yeah. The idea that I could use my time in that way. And if you're able to reduce your, your cost of living in that way, like I'm not saying get rid of stuff that you absolutely need. Spend yeah. on the stuff that you actually care about, but you'll have more resources to spend on that stuff that's actually important when you're not spending on a bunch of nonsense. Totally. Nonsense de- defined by your definition for nonsense. My guest today, Colin, is probably one of my new favorite things right now. I had so much fun talking to him. And as we spoke, the so many things that he said just resonated in how I live my life and what I do. And I just kept thinking, he's like a, a white American male version of me. This is wild. He's also a bit of a genius and has a fantastic voice, which I do tend to appreciate a good voice. So what does he do? Well, he's very interesting. He is an author, speaker, and host of a really fantastic podcast that I highly recommend you check out called Let's Know Things. He's written a few dozen books, travels all the time, and shares what he learns along the way through his work. He's got a really fantastic website. Go to colin.io to read his blog, subscribe to his newsletter, read some of his books, check out his podcast, find out where he's speaking next. He's got so much going on. He's a very cool fella. In this episode, we spoke about him walking away from his successful career and life in LA to go traveling, how to live life according to your values, how spending money on the things that don't matter stops you from living the life you desire, what it was like for him spending seven years on the road and how he made a living, how it's okay to pivot and try new things in life, why he decided to settle in one place after traveling for seven years, his podcast, Let's Know Things and How It Came to Be, how he deals with loneliness during his travels, and so much more. I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode with Colin. I feel really strongly that everybody has the ability to live the life that they desire. And what I see in Colin, which is very similar to sort of how I operate and how I have lived my life, is decide the type of lifestyle that you want to live and make choices that facilitate that. I think sometimes it can be very easy to be carried in life you know, getting a good education, going and getting a job, working hard, making certain choices, but it's following a path that's been prescribed by other people. But when you are clear on your values or the type of way that you want to live your life and you have that as a goal and you make choices based on that goal, it's a lot easier to live the life that you want and live a life by design that way. Not sure that makes sense, but it will make sense through listening to this episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you get inspired by this episode, feel free to share it on your social media or send it to a friend. Definitely be sure to check out Colin and all the cool things that he has going on. There'll be links to everything in the show notes. Enjoy. So, Colin, thank you for joining me on the Uplifting Content Podcast today. How are you? It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Nice. My pleasure. And it's interesting that we're both in each other's hometowns right now. Colin is in London and I'm in LA. And it's just kind of like, it's just really nice to know that you're there. Like, I definitely need to make a trip back. It's a lot of fun here. Yeah, I, I really love the UK in general, but London, you know what it is? The mass transit here 
And mm-hmm. people here complain because it could always be better, but the mass transit and the NHS are just two things that to me are like marvels of the world <laughs> after living most of my life in the United States. And then actually having experienced the mass transit in a lot of other countries since, the, the fact that the underground works so well and that the NHS works as well as it does is just magnificent to me. It is beautiful. And I didn't really appreciate it until I left, until I left. And, you know, yeah, there's still, there's still things that you can complain about, but the fact that we have it is a, is a godsend. It really is a blessing. How are you handling the weather? That's my concern. Honestly, I, I kind of prefer the weather here to the weather in LA. Scandalous. I know I'm not a beach person. I, I burn immediately as soon as I walk outside. So actually going outside and having it be cloudy and like sweater weather and jacket weather, that's more my vibe than going out onto the beach all the time. Fair enough. You found your jam. And that's why I think I it's really important that we are in these places that that we feel good in. For me, the weather depressed the hell out of me. And so the sunshine in LA, where I don't like it when it's outrageously hot, but just the sunshine is so good for my mood. Mm. Um, But yeah, we found places that we feel good in. So that's important. That's what it's all about, right? Right. Um, So I'd love to kick off these interviews uh, with just asking the guests, you, to share a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today and, and doing what you're doing. Yeah, so the the modern iteration, the most recent iteration of the story, I guess, probably started a little over a decade ago in Los Angeles, of all places, Mm -hmm. where I went after finishing university in Missouri. I spent most of my life in the dead center of the United States. What did you study there? uh, Graphic design and illustration. Ah, your website's beautiful. I can see that. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's still a a passion of mine. It's still something that I do. I just now these days get to work with clients that I choose and I do my own stuff as well, which is a lot of fun. But I I segued from that, went out to LA uh, and started up a studio, a branding studio. And it did very well by certain metrics of success, by, mm-hmm. by like the monetary metric and the professional, you got who is a client type of success. Mm-hmm. Things were going splendidly. Uh, and this was around, I was 23 going on 24 at that point. So it was happening sooner than I thought it would. I, mm. I always hoped it would, but didn't know for sure. And it was happening and I was very enthused about that. But then I had the opportunity for my 24th birthday to step away from that work hard, play hard lifestyle that many Mm -hmm. of us are familiar with that I was living out in LA. And I was able to look back from that big picture view and recognize that although it was a very successful lifestyle, according to certain standards, those standards were not super important to me. Right. And pursuing them was standing in the way of all of the things that I was telling myself I wanted to do. But these were things that I could do. I just wasn't because I was instead pursuing these goals that were not my own. And on top of that, it just the pace that I was moving at was not sustainable at all. Right. I, I was going to die by 30 if I kept going at that, you know, going out networking uh, mm-hmm. several times a week, which is just drinking and hopefully uh, hoping <laughs> that you find a client. Um, it, it just, it wasn't very healthy at all. And my relationship suffered, my health suffered, uh, everything suffered except my bank account. And it got to a point where it, it just, it simply was not enough. It wasn't something that I particularly cared about above and beyond wanting to be able to pay the bills, afford food. Uh, and, and those things that I was putting off were getting closer and closer to my view. They were kind of dominating everything else that I was looking at to the point where I couldn't ignore them anymore. Mm. And prime among them was wanting to have the freedom of time and location to actually Mm. go out and do things, to do work that I cared about. That was Mm. becoming more and more important as I I got these increasingly um, 
these increasingly kind of stressful client loads that I was dealing right. with, but also being able to travel the world, go out and see right. things and expose myself to new points of view, new people, new ideas, new ways of doing things, new backgrounds, new everything. And I, I'd grown up in the Midwest most of my life. You know, I, I had found some of these things through uh, seeking it out, trying to find it in other people, trying to read, expose myself to the, the written and visual and audio media from around the world. But there are certain things that you can only get by going out and doing. So really? for me, that was really important. So when did this, what, what, made, what made you shift path? What was the awakening? What happened? It was that big picture view. So seeing, seeing that, uh, that, that big picture view for the first time, it was kind of like what astronauts describe, where they go into space for the first time and they can see the totality of humanity. They look down and they see the globe and it dramatically shifts their philosophy and their idea of what's important because they can see, one, how small and insignificant some of the things that they were caring about and focusing completely on actually were. And they could also see what the important things actually were, where they probably should be uh, recalibrating their attention and time and energy. I have had that moment myself. One of the first videos that I made when I started uplifting content was, uh, you know, a couple going through a really upsetting breakup. And so she's devastated and sort of steps outside. And then there's just sort of pan up shot of just from her perspective, looking up to to, to going all the way out into the depths of the universe. And so then you're just this sort of figure on the ground. And some people were so offended by it because they're like, you're trying to trivialize problems and heartbreak hurts and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not the message. The message is, there is this great universe out there and we can get so consumed with our problems. For me, I just find it really liberating when I remind myself of what I am in the universe. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That there's so many more important things to think about a bad relationship or whatever. Exactly. And yes, it hurts. You have pain and it's important to deal with pain, but like, no. So, wow, that's awesome. And it doesn't diminish those issues either. It's just something no. that puts them into broader context. Exactly. It, it allows you to measure them against other things. And it's still the same size. It still hurts. And it's still yeah. something that, that sucks in some very significant way. But there's also all this other stuff. And here's some really wonderful stuff. And here's all these things that are happening. Here's all these connection points that here's you've forgotten about. Three billion other people that could be right for you. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that big picture view, I, I find myself still regularly doing that. Anytime I feel down for any possible reason, I take a moment and take a deep breath and remind myself of everything that's going on, everything that's going on with me, everything that's going on with everyone that I'm connected to, everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in the solar system, the galaxy, the universe, up and up and up and up, and then down and down and down and down, seeing all the connection points between these things, but also understanding that the one thing that I'm choosing to fix on, fixate on at that moment is not the most vital of these things, and it's not the only thing that I can fixate on. Yeah, here, 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 here. Um, so, how did you go from this like branding business? Did you sell it? Like, what was that process from then having this realization to this now living in alignment with all your values and doing what you wanted to do? Which were we may have cut off when you were saying that. What were what were these things? They were traveling, having more cultural experiences, things like that, having the freedom. Yeah, yeah, the the freedom to travel, which is something that I've always wanted to do, and always I've I've always felt like there's this great big gap in my education that I haven't been able to get uh, because it's it's very difficult. I don't know if you've been to the Midwest; uh, they call them the flyover states for a reason. Like it's you go from coast to coast, but it's actually incredibly expensive even to fly to the Midwest because there's so few flights and the distance is so vast. You could drive for like six days in any direction, not hit much of anything, or you can fly to it, but 
you could also pay the same amount and fly to Asia or Europe. It's, it's right. just very expensive. Right. So for me, the idea of traveling with this, was this immense luxury. And then increasingly, as I did more and more work that paid well, but that wasn't particularly ideologically or philosophically fulfilling, uh, I found the idea of being able to do work that I cared about to be this immense luxury as well. Mm -hmm. So realigning myself with those two things seemed to be very important. So I, I wish I could have sold my business. It was really just me and then hiring right. out some things, but I didn't have any assets to sell. It was just me sitting at home on a, a surprising number of computers, um, and the, the room getting hotter and hotter as the summer wore on. Uh, and mostly what it was, uh, that recalibration process was scaling down my business, handing off my clients to other people who could take care of them, and then getting rid of everything that I owned. And, uh, taking, yeah. I, did, I did that when I left, uh, when I left the UK, I, I came to LA with two suitcases. Now I've accumulated an apartment and a garage full of crap <laughs> but, but to like, just to leave with two things. And there's things that I put in my parents' loft and in a friend's loft. And I don't even know what's in those boxes anymore. And so we hold on to all these things and it's just not, it's just nice when you're like, I don't need anything really close. We, we are incentivized in so many different ways from so many different directions to wow. accumulate, uh, to accumulate, to show prestige, to accumulate, to feel personally like we're doing well. It's like a trophy that we, you know, I can afford this thing. Therefore, I am doing well. Now I know it. I have this physical manifestation of my success. We do it to show other people our worth like peacock feathers. And we do it for reasons that we probably couldn't even vocalize because a lot of the desire to, uh, to consume happens at a very subconscious level. And having worked in branding, I can tell you, there's a lot of science that goes into this. And we are not fighting a fair fight when we're struggling against the, the forces of marketing that try to convince us that we need things. Yeah. You don't have to be anti-stuff or anti-consumption to be anti-compulsory consumption and thoughtless right. consumption. And so part of it was recalibrating toward that and wanting to refocus the, the resources, including money that I had on these things that I've been setting aside for so long. Mm -hmm. But then part of it was that all of this stuff was literally standing in my way mm -hmm. of going where I wanted to go. Because I had this great big place, uh, this great big townhouse on the west side full of stuff. Um, just ridiculous. I had eight computers in my home office for some reason. It was just me. I don't know. I didn't use... Like no, maybe a different, a different computer for every hour of the day. <laughs> yeah, something does. like that. Keeping it fresh. <laughs> I mean, I convinced cool. myself that I needed all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, it, then when I looked at this and, and realized I actually had other priorities above and beyond just accumulating stuff to make myself feel better about all the time and energy I was spending on things that I didn't particularly care about. Mm. When I didn't have that anymore, I realized that one, this, this stuff that I wasn't using now was stuff that I could probably get rid of. But two, the idea of putting it away, like in storage, the way that that was initially what came to mind, because it's my stuff. Why would I get rid of it? Mm -hmm. I've worked so hard to accumulate this stuff. But then I had this mental image of me as like Pharaoh like hoarding my wealth and burying it with me so that no one else could have it. Not so that I could use it because I'm in my tomb or I'm traveling the world. I'm not going to use this stuff, yeah, yeah. but hoarding it and locking it away just so no one else can use that valuable stuff. It just seemed so utterly ridiculous in that moment. And I spent the next four months after I decided uh, to do this, I set a deadline four months in the future, at which point I would leave LA and start traveling full time. 
not having really had a plan at that point. But uh, d- during that four month period, one of my main goals and jobs was to get rid of all of my stuff. And I spent those four months selling a couple things that I knew I could sell and then giving away the rest and yes. took the whole four months to get rid of all that stuff. Wow. But fortunately, it went to people who could actually use it. Amazing. Amazing. It's such a, just a shift of perspective and how we use things and just like ownership and you're right, just letting go to the the subconscious programming of like, you need to buy in order to feel like you're a worthy human being. I don't watch the news because, or don't watch the television sort of regular TV that bombards me with ads. I remember seeing one ad for pizza, like a Pizza Hut pizza. And then a few hours later, I was like, I really want a pizza. And I was like, damn, that's advertising in effect. Because I don't watch it that much, I was so aware that that was what it was doing to me. So I cut out that. And then also I've been looking at, really inspired by a friend that's visiting me right now, cutting down on the cost of living. You know, like I I was about to uh, take another apartment in my building that's like $700, $800 more a month for a a slightly bigger space. And I was like, no, but that's not, that's tying me in. I'm having to make more money just to live for for having a slightly bigger place. I don't really quite need, I'm going to end up filling with more stuff. Like we, you know, that everyone gets in this cycle of you make more money. So then you spend more money. So you actually never get ahead. And it's like, no, when you come into money, don't immediately allocate ways that you can spend it right now. Now I've got these objectives, these goals. I've set my life up so that I can be free like you to travel when I want. So I keep my living expenses as small as possible which allows me to then go out and do all these things. Yeah. So I would just say that, just be mindful that if these are your intentions, look at where you can cut costs. Like if you, if you like, rather than getting a new car and having an outrageous lease every, every few years, buy your, buy a decent car and just keep it. Mm-hmm. How about that? You know, that was a funny thing in England. We don't care. We don't lease that much. It's not a big, right. Right. So I, I did lease when I first got here because it was the only way to afford a car. And then I, bought it out and the woman in the, the the Honda place was just like what do you mean you don't want a new car and I was like well <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong with the one that I've had for four years like I don't need a new one it's so such it's a just, prestige thing out there though isn't it yeah it is it is and I'm kind of just okay not driving a brand spanking new car because mine still looks decent mm. um so yeah it but yeah, if you know that that's what you want to do, have that freedom because it, it does it's like you're being tied into uh it's like handcuffs like yeah. you know you, the, the, you've got you. You make more, so you spend more, and then you're tied into all these payments, and then you have to work. You can't, you know. If you then, if you lose your job or there's issues, then you're screwed. So yeah, just being mindful of that. Um, so how yeah, was your travels? You know. Sorry. Oh, I was, was going to add real quick. Reducing the costs, as you just mentioned, it, it liberates you to make better decisions in how you spend your time. And that includes work because you don't have to work as much to afford your bare necessities. But then also just in terms of liberating then time overall that you have to spend on whatever. And that can mean on pet projects and side hustles, or it can mean reading a book. And and one of my goals that I had in mind when I started to make this shift was I wanted to be able to know that if I wanted to, I could just lay around and read a book all day. Yeah. And that would be consequence free. And that idea seemed like such an immense luxury to me, above and beyond having the eight computers that I never used. Yeah. The idea that I could use my time in that way. And if you're able to reduce your, your cost of living in that way, like I'm not saying get rid of stuff that you absolutely need. Spend yeah. on the stuff that you actually care about, but you'll have more resources to spend on that stuff that's actually important when you're not spending on a bunch of nonsense. Toast. Nonsense de- defined by your definition for nonsense. 
Yes, yes. Um, I just got back. I was in Hawaii for a month, um, just taking a little Ioni break and uh, getting re-inspired. And I got back on Halloween and hadn't seen a bunch of friends. It got back quite late, like 11 p.m. Went straight out, had a crazy time catching up with all my friends, went to West Hollywood. It was wild. Got in at like 3 a.m. And then the Friday morning, last Friday, woke up very tired and slightly jet lagged and a little bit hungover. And I didn't get up until like one. <laughs> and I felt really guilty about it. And I had a friend that was like, Ioni, you've worked to be in this position where it doesn't matter if you wake up at one. It's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a difficult mindset to break away from though, it isn't is. it? It is. Yeah. I've built my life to do this. It's okay if I want to sleep in for a little bit on a Friday afternoon. So yep. That yeah. is your fancy car. Your fancy car is being exactly. able to sleep into one uh, period. Exactly. I'd mm -hmm. much rather that. Um, so you packed everything up. You went traveling. How was that experience? Everything. It was everything. It yeah. was amazing and enlightening. And, uh, well, I, I've changed. So okay. I did, for the first seven years, I did roughly the same framework. I actually, I had no idea where to go. So I, I had started a blog during that four-month period to kind of document what I was learning and share what I could to try to make connections with other people. And uh, I, I had my readers of my blog vote on what country I would go to because I didn't know. So I figured, let yeah. everyone else on the planet is a better judge of this than I am. So I'll let them decide. They sent me to Argentina and it was amazing. And then they sent uh. me to New Zealand and it was amazing. So I kind of just kept up with what the wisdom of the crowds dictated for about seven years. And then in wow. between each four-month period at each new home, uh, I, I came up with my own adventure. So after Argentina, I took the colectivos, the long distance buses around South America. And then after New Zealand, I did a, a road trip around the United States. So usually like a four month stint in one place that was voted upon that was randomized for me. And then some kind of side adventure that I, I chose for myself. And that, that was about seven years after I left, left LA that I was doing that framework. I love it. So in 2017, I did a three-month adventure around South America called Guide Me, where I had the uplifting content audience make suggestions on where I should go and what I should do. So nice. very similar, but like your seven-year adventure, I'm like, oh, that puts my three months into to, way into shape. <laughs> three months is fantastic. That's great. Any, any favorite places for any particular Columbia. Regions? Columbia. Mm. Oh, I absolutely love it. Colombia is like, just has a place in my heart just for the people, the, the diversity of the climates. Um, I just loved it. I just loved it. I went to Colombia, Ecuador, and the Galapagos Islands, Peru, and Bolivia. I didn't make it to Argentina or Brazil, which were on the list, but I met phenomenal people from those countries that when I make it back, I'll definitely connect. It's, it's a good excuse to go, go back because you, you've got those ones to check off the list. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you did that for seven years. And then what, so tell us about the work that you're doing now. Did you, and you're not going on sort of as much of a, I mean, seven years is a, is a good chunk of time to travel. It's a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. But the strange thing is like anything can become normal if you do it for long yeah, enough. And so funny. for me, yeah. So like for after, after seven years, I'd primarily been making my living off of my books. I, after a year on the road, I decided to try my hand at writing a book. I had a bit of journalism background. I'd been writing my blog and uh, this was actually, so to, I have to remind people of this because I have to put it into context. The Kindle was newish at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. So like when I, 
I, I wrote a book and I wrote an ebook at first, and that was like this crazy new thing to try. Yeah. So it, it wasn't something where it is now, where everybody and their mom has an ebook. It, it, like it, it, it was something kind of strange and new that I had no idea what to expect. But it was also a somewhat fresh market. So as a consequence, I had a bit of a leapfrog into that. Uh, had enough success with the first one that I was able to justify setting aside the consulting branding work that I'd continued to do after I left LA. Mm-hmm. And within eight months, was able to replace my fundamental costs of living with book income, which was nice. Amazing. So then I refocused on that. I wrote uh, kind of a stupid number of books um, because that was all I was doing for a living. And yeah. I was doing that while I was traveling and travel provides you with a lot of inspiration. Uh, and, but then at the end of that, at seven years onward, after doing that and uh, periodic speaking gigs and tours in between and such, I realized that the, the threats and opportunities and all of the challenges and fears, although I could gladly continue to do that forever and no doubt because each place is different, still continue to, to learn and feel you know, that humility that comes with not knowing and knowing that every small child around you knows more than you do when you show up into a new place. I could keep doing that or I could face some new challenges and some new kind of subtle fears that had arisen in the meantime, including the fear that I might not be happy if I ever slowed down. And I really, I really did not want to become that person who needed constant novelty, like a drug, I, you yeah. know, that, that intense personality type that needs to move, 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 move. And anytime anything becomes a little too serious or too many roots get put down, or you, you calm down for even a moment, like you don't have that breeze that is your drug. And yeah. I wanted to make sure that wasn't the case. And, and also looking back at the US, this was like 2015, when I was thinking about this, there was a lot happening culturally, politically that I didn't fully understand. I'd been gone for a long time. Mm-hmm. And one of my main fears, in addition to the novelty thing, was I hadn't bought furniture since I was 24. And I was like mm-hmm. 31 at this mm-hmm. point. I didn't know what I would buy. I didn't know what it was like to get mail every day. I got mail yeah. like once or twice a year. So all of these things that I hadn't done for so long in terms of years, but like even more than that in terms of personal growth, all the things I've seen and done and the ways that I've changed, I had no idea who I was in those right. contexts. Right. So I decided to go back and do something boring to mm-hmm. anyone else, but to me, very adventurous. I, I chose the most exotic place I could think to go in the United States to live for a year, uh, Wichita, Kansas, uh, which uh, is, was incredibly exotic to me, even having grown up in Missouri. Like Missouri looks over at Kansas and says, yeah, they're, they're kind of Midwest. Right? Oh, oh, it's very okay. rural. Um, and so that seemed like something worth doing to me. It would be a very different experience. And then I'd figure out who I was in that circumstance. So I rented a flat and I bought some furniture and I owned more things than I had in seven years. And I got mail every day. I bought a car. Uh, I got all the accoutrement of normal everyday life to see what I could make of it. And it, it was a little bit weird, kind of like stepping off a treadmill mm-hmm. for a little bit. But then I got into it and I started my podcast and I learned to play piano and I learned to cook after wanting to do that for years and years and years and never having the right circumstances to sit and do it and repeat the process and learn the way that you're supposed to. I finally had the time and I had Amazon so I could order the tools. So all these little things fell into place and I was able to do all of these magnificent, wonderful things that I was so happy about. And I enjoyed it so much. I decided to do another year in the United States and I had my readers vote on which state they decided on Tennessee. So I moved to Memphis for a year. Mm. And it was 
so great in a completely different way from Wichita. It was so great. And I was able to extrapolate on all of these things. At the end of that, I had learned what I wanted from that experience. I was sure that I could enjoy holding still for a little bit, which was lovely. And I had all these new cooking skills that I could take with me wherever I went. And I decided to try something new again. And I'd been on tour before, and I've done a lot of speaking gigs at conferences and universities and such, but I had never planned out my own tour, like a long-term tour. So I decided to do a year-long tour around North America, and Mm -hmm. I decided that for as long as I could stand it, we would see, because I'd never done it before, I would full-time in a vintage motorhome. And so I, I did cool. a bunch of research and after about half a year found a 1985 Holiday Rambler Imperial 33 feet long that I bought uh, from the middle of nowhere in Tennessee and then fixed up with my dad, which was a whole lot of fun. And then I took it out on the road for six months and I full-timed in that thing while giving talks each week in a different city. Uh, wow. And then the latter half of that, I ended up buying a Prius to make up for all the gas I'd consumed. <laughs> uh, using the uh, on a good day, I got like five or six miles per gallon. So I felt oh pretty bad about that. Oh my goodness! There's so many, so many things that I wanted to touch on. That I feel like we're very similar in. You were saying about um, just this idea of go, 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 go. I feel like that's the type of person I am, and and it's it's good to stop and check. Sometimes it feels like I'm running away, just you know, just needing there to always be something exciting and fun happening in order for me to feel okay. And actually sometimes it's good just to be still. And so I I found that on my travels, I went, did a bunch of traveling, came back and I was like, oh, I thought these were going to be the answers to all my problems. No, (laughs) you know, there's still some of this unease, some of the stuff that I have to work on here. So just running to around the globe isn't always the way of fixing that. So it's great to have that realization. For me also having grounding, having somewhere to to call home where I had friends and that I, I knew because when you're traveling, everything is so new. Like you say, you don't know anything. You arrive and you have to figure it all out. And it's kind of exhausting and it's nerve wracking to not know anything. So it was nice to come home and like, I know where I go to yoga. I know where I get my food. (laughs) I've got friends around the corner that I can talk to if I need them. Um, So love that too. Um, And also what I really love that you've done it's just this idea of like pivoting. You know, sometimes people get very like tunnel vision. This is what I've got to do. This is what I want. And like, I can't divert off the path because there's something wrong with that. But mm. like after seven years, you're like, okay, I feel like there's something different now. There's a different path. Now I'm going to go and buy a house and be boring. Or not buy a house, rent a house and be boring. <laughs> you're like that's okay. And right. so I think if we, that's been something that I've been doing a lot, just taking the time to stop and reflect on what do I want? What feels good to me? Is this thing that I'm putting all my time and energy into, is it worth it? Is it bringing me joy? Is it really getting the results that I want? Um, just having those moments. So yeah, it's, I love that you've done that. I think it, not being afraid to redefine as well yeah. is a big part of that. Being Recognizing that no matter what your business card says, no matter what label you use to define what you do with your time to other people, that's not forever. And it's not yeah. the only thing that you are. Yeah. Uh, I, I look back over the past decade or so in particular, and I've had like four different careers, like four different main ways that I've made my money, more yeah. or less. Yeah. And I remember the transition point each and every time where I started to say, oh, I'm an author rather than I do branding work. Mm. Where I started to say, oh, I, I run a podcast. You know, like, and it's, it's difficult each time because you feel like you're, you're going to be outed as a fake, uh, you know, because you're, well, surely I'm not doing this seriously enough to be considered this yet. But I mean, in reality, we are all so many different things. And the more comfortable you get with pivoting in that way and recognizing that each new thing that you do is still you. 
It's just yep. a different version of you. It's a different facet of you. Mm -hmm. uh, the more comfortable you can get with that, the less resistance I think you face when you have to stop and say, is this still serving me? Is this right. still something I want to be doing? Or is there something else that I've been waiting on doing that I might yeah. be happier if I actually pursued that? Yes. Yes. Um, so I want to know about the podcast because I, I think it's fantastic. And also what you're doing in, L in London, like how, how London came to be. Yeah. Oh, so the podcast is called Let's Know Things. And so way back in the day, I mentioned I had a little bit of journalism background. I was a terrible reporter, but I wrote a news analysis column for- you, And you have a fantastic voice. <laughs> okay. Thank May you I just very add, much. I do a lot of voiceover and I can say your voice is fantastic. Especially I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's fun. And, and it's something, it's a topic that I care about. Back in the day, writing those news analysis columns where I essentially- take the news, which can be very intimidating and disheartening. It could be something that makes no sense out of context, or you're missing one vital bit of information, or it's like, why are they reporting on this? And explaining it to people. Here's what they're actually saying. Here's why it matters. Here's what it connects to. And then trying as much as possible to focus on establishing context. Here's all the strings that connect this thing to, to history, to philosophy, to politics, to technology. Here's where it connects to other things and why it's relevant. But then on top of that, here's, here's kind of what it means and trying to do it with as much nuance as possible. So not stepping in and saying, here's what you should believe, right. what you need to do based on this. Here's which politics you should have, what ideologies you should have. Here's what you should believe in as much as possible, trying to take that out of the equation, not pretending that it doesn't exist, but saying here's valid different ways to think about this thing that I've just told you about. Yes. And from what I got from the episode that I listened to, it's neutral. It's not coming from like your opinion on like like you say I think you should think this and that is what is lacking in we're not getting news as facts and explained in a way without being colored with somebody's opinion which it's which just is, so damaging. I yeah, I understand why it's the case. It's good business. I mean, yeah. in terms of business models, I understand that for the news to make money, to be able to present the news, because there's news and then there's editorial, and the two blend so often, especially on TV. Uh, I, I understand why a lot of people avoid TV news, especially because the two are so inextricably twined. There's no way to separate news from editorial. A little bit easier in the papers, but still, even so, in a lot of cases, you'll have newspapers that are known to be or thought to be a certain way in terms of bias because of what they run in their editorial pages. So yeah, it's a difficult thing to find, and it wasn't something that I could find, and I thought, well, maybe this is something I can do, and I'll get a handful of listeners. And it, it ended up being there was enough people weird like me who were wanting to engage more with this type of stuff, and who would sit and listen to me talk at them for like 40 minutes to an hour each week mm -hmm. about something that I find to be geekily interesting, uh, that I was able to make it like a side gig. And it's, it's something that I, I don't make my full-time income off of it, but I make rent money, maybe not London rent money, but I make rent money off of the podcast, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that I just, I love doing. It, it takes yeah. a good bit of time and effort each week, but it's something that uh, I would be doing whether or not I was making a cent off of it, I think to some degree. Uh, and then, then the London thing, I'm actually here because uh, I, I'm dating somebody who lives in London and yes. we weren't able to see each other for a very long time when I was on tour. We actually started dating when I was on tour. And she found me actually through the podcast. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Uh, she, she started listening to it and she, uh, she has a fairly big Twitter following. She, she's an actress actually. She, uh, 
an actress and uh, a writer. And uh, she tweeted at me, and you know how the blue check marks go. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Like somebody, somebody of import sends you a message. Like who is this famous person who's liking on my podcast? Yeah, like that was really nice. And so we started chatting, and uh, and we visited each other a couple of times over the course of my tour. But then finally, when it ended, I'm like, okay. I'm coming to you. Let's let's do this. So. And that's great because you have the freedom to do that. Exactly. I I met I met a lovely man in Hawaii, and um, he's coming out for Thanksgiving, and I'm going oh, to Thailand great. for Christmas, and then I'll probably go to Hawaii in the New Year because I can do that. So it's yes. it's just lovely to have that freedom. And freedom of movement and communication, and we live in the yeah. future. Like so many of these tools that can be very negative, smartphones yeah. and and th- social media and things like this can be very negative forces yeah. if we if we're thoughtless in how we use them but these are the same tools that enable these types of these conversations yeah. i mean i, I met yeah. michaela through twitter and uh we we ended up connecting through signal for a very long time and, and all of these things are absolutely amazing if we use them well but they're even better than if you if you have the freedom to use them as you want to use them as opposed to how somebody else dictates that you use them Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Um, touching on that, I wanted to ask in your travels in those seven years and when you were kind of living in these places, um, did you, how did you feel about being kind of that nomad lifestyle? Did, were you ever in a relationship with someone that was traveling with you? Something that I found, I get very lonely and I realize I don't like being on my own on trips. Like I'm very much needing the uh, (laughs) companionship of other people. How was that for you with all the travels? Honestly, I find that loneliness, same, it sucks. And it's something that is incredibly saddening and stressful at times. I also find it's often quite valuable because Mm. part of what makes it so uncomfortable is that it forces you to be completely and entirely up here, at least at the beginning when you don't know anybody locally or don't speak the language or don't understand how the grocery store works, you know, all of these things that you're trying to figure out. It's just you. And you are forced to then be incredibly capable as an individual you can't rely on anybody else, which I think is great, uh, periodically at least. But then also you have to sit with yourself and not have anybody else to entertain you, nobody else to make you feel better about yourself. You have That's to what drives me crazy. I know. Yeah, it's good that I need to, it, to do that. And it probably drives you crazy the same way like running a marathon would drive you crazy. Like yeah. it's something that would be probably like it's a good thing to do more of some uh, for some people and sometimes, but it's also something that's exhausting. And yeah. painful and mm-hmm. and maybe depending on how you do it not great for you because there are ways to do it that just reinforces like a depression cycle yes um, so, so for me I, I find that usually at least what I, I especially did during that seven year period where I was doing this on a regular basis I would show up to a new place and very intentionally not not like totally communication black out the people that I already know but I would go out of my way not to rely on existing relationships because then I found I didn't go out and make new ones and I didn't right. go out and face all of that stress and discomfort. Whereas if I sat with it, one, I learned a lot about myself and learned coping mechanisms for being happy and, and feeling good no matter what's happening around me, kind of a, a somewhat stoic approach to, to understanding what you can control and what you can't control and being okay either way. But also it forced me out the door. And forced me to use my terrible version of the local language that I picked up with a little bit of research and forced me to go out and meet local people. And it it doesn't stop sucking. No matter how often you do it, it does not get any less uncomfortable. But it is something that you can look at the gym or running a marathon. Oh, this really sucks, but I'm going to be happy I did it. Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm not alone in that feeling. Thanks. (laughs) You are not alone in that. (laughs) 
great. Colin, this has been so lovely talking to you. Thank you just for sharing your story. This, it's just very inspiring. I wanted the topic to be about kind of living the life that you want and having fun and living your best life and stuff like that. And there's just so many takeaways from your experience that I think people can draw on. Um, I'm going to have the links to your podcast, to your website that's just full of, you've got a lot of your books on the website, right? Is that you can just access them? Some of them are available, a lot of my older ones in particular. After a certain period, I usually just make them free. So some of my older works are available. You can read them on the website, download an ebook. uh, And then all of the new ones are up there too, up on uh, column.io. Gotcha. And you just finished one of this, you just finished a a speaking tour. That wasn't the one where you got the van. This is another one that you've just done. Is that right? So the van was the first six months and then the latter six months was in my little beige Prius. So yes, the same tour. It just lasted for ages. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you'll be doing another one anytime soon? You know, I really enjoyed it. So I'm not fully recovered from that yet, even though it's been half a year. Uh, But once I'm recovered, I'll probably get back in that mindset and be thinking about what talk I can give and where I should do it. I love it. Awesome. And so, and, and is there anything that people can kind of, so the podcast is the regular week, weekly thing that they can tune in and listen to you with, but uh, is there any other event that you've got coming up or something that's on the, in, on the horizon? Let's see. No events. I, I did recently relaunch. I have like an advice column about life, about I get the most random questions about entrepreneurship and publishing, but also about relationships and about travel and learning languages. Uh, Relaunched that recently. It's at askcolin.com. And then I actually have a news analysis column that I'm writing again called Understandery, which you can find at understandery.com. Love it. Love it. Cool. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, on my end too. This has been great chatting with you. Yes. Um, Thanks as always, everyone, for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Uplifting Content Podcast with me, Ioni Butler. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review so that more people can find it. And to make sure you never miss a beat, subscribe to our weekly dose of uplifting content, which is an email from me about the best of uplifting content from that week, be it giveaways, videos, interviews, all the good stuff. And as a bonus, when you subscribe, you get access to the Uplifting Content Summit for free. The Uplifting Content Summit was an interview series with some fantastic guests, including Jay Shetty, Christine Hassler, Alexi Panos, Preston Smiles, Kyle Cease, Peter Kelly, Jenna Phillips-Ballard, and many more about how to stay uplifted. So if you'd like some tips and advice from some of the best thought leaders, authors, coaches out there, be sure to subscribe to my email update and get access to this summit for free. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye.